Welcome back, everyone, to those good old-fashioned values, the first and hopefully last Family Guy analysis podcast on the internet. I am your host, as always, Spencer, a.k.a. The Lonely Photon on Twitter, and I am joined, as always, by Ty, a.k.a. at Bobo underscore Circus on Twitter. Hey. And Andy, a.k.a. X underscore Narco Anon on Twitter. Hello. All right. Um, season 8. Oh, Big boy. change. Yeah. I would say yeah. this is the... Most different feeling and important season in the show since at least season four. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with so, that for sure. Um, season eight, A Family Guy, new showrunners. It is the first season that was, I believe, written after the writer's strike. Um, I could be wrong there, but it, it, it was the first season that was written in a while. And new showrunners also. The previous showrunners stepped down, although they still were involved with the show heavily. Um, what is it? The new showrunners were Mike Henteman and Steve Callaghan. They replaced Chris Sheridan and David Goodman. Another showrunner handoff. And also, speaking of uh, change in writers, uh, there's a third Seth MacFarlane series going on right now. Uh, Not just Family Guy and American Dad, but the now canceled after four seasons. Uh, I say now, but it was like a decade ago. Um, uh, The Cleveland Show. Cleveland show. Yeah, no, the Cleveland show. Which means Cleveland's gone. I forget if he shows up in any of the highlight episodes this season, but I know he does in like. Uh, He he pops in. He pops in once or twice in this season because he's in the joke one and he is in a cameo in Meg's boyfriend. But for the most part, Cleveland is no longer a going concern on the show. He has been written out, and his absence is actually an important part for one of the episodes we're going to highlight. No spoilers. In the next part. Um, so season eight, uh, I'm just going to lead off with a hot take right here. I think season eight is split between some of the strongest episodes of the series and some of the absolute worst episodes of the series. I can get behind that. I, th- I think there would be maybe three or four episodes that I would say are particularly strong. I think that it has some incredibly strong jokes. Yeah. That are kind yeah. of in the middle of nothing episodes. Yeah. And that's, that's true, but season. singling out some, like, non-highlight episodes I really like, since, yeah. uh, you know, there are, we could do, like, three parts on the season. There's a lot oh, yeah. to unpack. Oh, but for there sure. Are, yeah. And it's a fairly long It was really hard yeah. for the, the second half, laying it down just three or four episodes. Like Yeah, but this season does have some of my favorite episodes. Road to the Multiverse, that one's great. Classic. Um, always great. Yeah. yeah, that one's... Not talking about it today. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Business Guy. I really like that one. Um, Solid. I honestly kind of enjoy Quagmire's Baby and Hannah Banana. Quagmire's not... Baby is good. I love Quagmire's Baby. Hannah Banana might not be top shelf Family Guy, but it's pretty solid. I think. Yeah. It's... Did you mention Business Guy? Um... Yeah, Business Guy. Yeah, that's the one. He... Absolute that's classic, like top ten of the series for me. And uh, some of the ones that we're going to highlight in the next part are some of my favorite episodes of the series. But yes, one of them. I'm one of them might be my favorite thing the show yeah, has ever done. But on the other hand, you have some of the worst episodes of the series, and they aren't bad in, like, the usual Family Guy way, where they're just kind of nothing. They are really bad. Like, offensively bad. I'm talking about, like, Peter Asment, Just a, like, oh, horrible episode. episode. Yeah. I'm talking about... An, ep- an episode entirely based around the concept that men can't be raped. Yeah, uh, Ghost Do We Go. That's a... That's a that, yeah. That's a rough episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Quagmire's Dad, which we'll talk about in a separate bonus episode, is one of the most disgusting episodes of TV ever made. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and there is some, you know, that's not to say there's no mediocrity this season, you know, there's some, like, whatever right. episodes, like, April and Quahog, but... I was in, just thinking of that. Um, yeah. Um, oh, speaking of bad episodes, um, I need to remember if... Extra Large Medium, Extra Large Medium isn't very good. Um, that one's very um, mean-spirited in a way that the show is, like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, by the way, I don't, I don't know if this is derailing your conversation. If it is, I can cut it out. Did you guys notice that, like, even more than the early seasons, this this one has, like, a serious bone to pick with, like, people with mental disabilities? Yeah, yeah. Like, at least once an episode, there's, like, yeah. some joke directed at, like, someone with Down I, syndrome I also think, you know, we, we've been saying this a lot since at least season four. Every season is meaner, more cynical, and more slash and burn. Yeah. But it really goes oh without gosh, saying this sure. season is that. And I think it's... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also why this is a phenomenon I've noticed about the show is this is the first season... Where you just see this, like, constantly, like, show up in Family Guy funny moment compilations on YouTube and yeah. stuff. Yeah, oh, And I think it's because this sure. is the, the, the sort of writing that this is. Again, like we've, we've mentioned before, don't watch Family Guy in a binging way. Really don't watch these seasons in a binging yeah, way. Yeah, no, season eight, um, it's got great episodes. Um, and we'll talk about that, but... I don't recommend binging this at all because, like, yeah, it is. It it's gets, literally like watching twenty hours of Family Guy. It's like what listening to yeah. the entire Swans discography in one day. It's just like getting like I don't know what pummels. Um, Swans are making music. Yeah, like with the beaks and stuff. <laughs> um, what is it? So okay, let's talk about the characters since I actually did think there was a bit of character development oh, this yeah. season. Well, let's start with uh, the main character. I think Peter, Peter we, we, we saw some change. I think Peter, I think in this season, is a lot more antagonistic to the rest of the cast. Mm. Um, and in, in a different way. Whereas, you know, we had Felix on the last bonus episode we recorded. And he mentioned that Peter was very immature in sort of an early Homer sort of way. This is not that. This is, I think, the most adult swim Peter we've gotten yeah. so far. This isn't even like jerk-ass Homer. This is like... I mean... So, so Spencer has brought up the idea of the insanity room joke a lot. I literally think, like, in that vein, Peter is, like, a trickster god from here on out. Yeah, no, he... he, I I was going to say Cartman, but that's not even, like, fair enough comparison. Like, he's... No, I mean, Cartman even has, like, character motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Peter... We singled this out in the Peter is the physical embodiment of the joke at this point. Yeah, but, like, that, that cat joke that's been haunting my mind for the longest time... The one where Cat Peter is having a turf war with yeah, he's the cat. Yeah, it's like yeah, that is like half the jokes this season, and that's the thing is it's not even necessarily bad. Like I lost it at that cat joke, yeah. but it's like all of them. Peter is just like this agent of chaos and is yeah. Peter has Peter has become the avatar of Star yeah. He is yeah. like amorphous yeah. to the point of you can yes. make him do anything and. I think, arguably, that makes for a stronger Peter for Family Guy's writing. Yeah, oh, for sure. But it also yeah. means that he's a lot more hit or miss. Um, yeah, it, it kind of, I mean, and this is a trend that has been going on for a while. It does kind of, even more than it had already, unmoor the show from any type of, like, reliance on plot or character dynamics. But I, I think I think that Peter in particular is a good candidate for that yeah. to happen to, if only because he had been so, like, such well-tread ground before now. Like, it, it is better to have a supporting cast that can react to him doing whatever Especially the since if you look back at our, our episodes on the previous showrunners catalog, you know, our favorite Family Guy seasons, not to say we dis- did disliked Peter in those seasons when he was more mild and restrained, 
But he was never the highlight of the season for us, you know? Exactly. So I think just just taking him in a different direction is a good angle for your main character. I think that it's sort of a double-edged sword. Because on the one hand, you get stuff like Business Guy. And Peter just gets to do whatever the fuck he wants to that episode. And it works because he's just such a malevolent, you know, trickster god, as Ty says. And it just lets the show completely cut loose and just do whatever the fuck it wants to with him. And it yields really good results. On the other hand, when the show tries to be topical or oh, emotional, yeah. it's a disaster. Like, again, yeah. Peter Asman. We're not going deep on that episode, I think, because, like, that would just... Us being very... And also, we, it just didn't make the cut. We have more important episodes to talk about. This is a very important season in very small doses. It, yeah. it, it's, it is a complete disaster how they handle that. I also think it's, um, this is changing topic slightly, but I, I also think it's, like, very implemented. Like, this season, you start seeing a lot more, oh, yeah, Peter and Lois have a dysfunctional marriage discourse. And that yeah. becomes a much more common thing for the remainder of yeah, the show. Yeah, like in Family Goy, like, earlier in the season, if Peter did that, like, cutout shenanigans, that would you be, mean like... series. Yeah, right. earlier in the series, she would be, like, you know, that would be the episode. That would be her trying to, like, you know, yeah. discovering that and then being appalled by that. She's not even surprised by it. She just is like, yeah, I'm just going to let this happen. But by the way, did you guys know that, I mean, we talked in an earlier episode about like how much we wanted Peter with a mustache to be like an entire episode concept. Yeah. There were like five or six of those in this season where it's like, you could have stretched the entire first part in like Peter at the rodeo, Peter with the cutout, Peter with roadhouse. This like, has yeah. one of my favorite episodes where they do that, at least to the B plot. The, the episode Spies Like Us, I don't really care for the A plot with like Stewie and Dan Aykroyd and stuff. I think that's kind of weak and not, but the failed improv bit with Peter, Ugh. Quagmire and Joe, the, 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 the scene where they're doing rehearsal and Peter is not like getting any of the rehearsal jokes at all he doesn't understand how to do improv because he's just making his one shitty john wayne impression i think that's one of my favorite peter griffin moments in the history of the show. yeah i like that i like that yeah, it is a, it is a pretty good peter griffin funny moment i also like quagmire getting way too into improv that's very quagmire that's, that's thing. again fussy quagmire is the best character on the quagmire show. might be the star of this season oh for sure yeah this is. Right, I, think, I would say Quagmire or Brian. One of the big moments has them coming together. Yeah, yeah we'll get more to that later. But um, Lois um, gets to be even crueler and even more like horny. Even uh, again, I like that. I like that development. She's a drug her. addict. Yeah, she she gets to just be really mean to the people in the family, and I think that that's what makes it stand out from The Simpsons a bit. Is that you know Simpsons even during its golden age. It struggled to give a good Marge episode. Yeah, it's like, struggled. Like, there are there. They are yeah. there, but there are defined. I mean, to be fair, there are... I, I think earlier Lois had a lot better... Like, I can't think of a really good Lois episode from this season. Yeah. Yeah, but she, I think yeah. she has decent jokes. Yeah, she has decent jokes. She works... She's a better peripheral presence. I, I don't know. I still I still think my favorite Lois is, like, that season four or five Lois. Yeah, I, I can... Yeah, the, the, the hypocrite Lois. Yeah, or, or like Lois where she kind of straddles the balance between like cruel harpy Lois and like matronly Saint Lois. Um, you know, now she's gone like full, just kind of cruel and, you know, sarcastic and just kind, kind of like bitchy for lack of a better word. I'm not really sure if like I really feel like any of the Griffin kids got major changes this season. Uh, Meg, I think Meg kind of 
if even if she didn't like change much, I think her character got a bit more range yeah. this season. We'll get to that also. Does this season have have the the, the start the incest subplot? Oh, I mean, this season is yeah. Very I I, did, I I don't know if this is season seven or eight, but there's that like random aside joke that kind of got me where um. Meg just goes up to Chris and says, says, "Hey, do you want to practice yeah. kissing again?" That's this season. Also, yeah. is this is this the Halloween makeout season or is that no. next season? No, okay, that is yeah. season. So, so get used to. It, it's it's very rarely a plot point, but every now and then, like when Chris and Meg get involved in like cutaway gag or something, yeah. they will be they will be implied to be making out or fuck. But I mean, and there's way. I mean, there's a lot of incest stuff in here, like uh, Lois hitting on Meg's boyfriend. Brian trying to fuck Stewie in the episode where Stewie's an actress. Like, yeah. this season goes really hard on the incest. It's kind of wild. One thing that, uh, this is just like sort of a bit of trivia that I noticed, is that Brian Scully is a writer for this episode, brother of Mike Scully, who is often uh, perhaps unfairly blamed with um, ruining The Simpsons. Yeah, no, that's just a little tidbit. It just kind of threw me when I uh, was looking at the cast list. Scully's love destroying adult animation. Yeah. It's like do you guys have anything to more to, to, to say about the Griffins? Because I want to ask you to do a kind of a, a big subplot. Yeah, go um, for it. Or this season. Which is, okay, this season has a lot of good Peter. has a lot of quagmire. This is obviously the first season where we have the Cleveland show. Cleveland is gone. He is not a part of the cast. It's just Peter, Joe, right. and Quagmire. And occasionally yes. Ryan, but not very often. Do you yeah. feel his absence? Yes, for sure. A bit. A bit, but, like, I kind of don't, man. Like, it's, I don't, I don't dislike Cleveland, but, like, he's not as strong as Peter. He's not as strong as Quagmire, and he's definitely not as strong as Joe. It's, like, those three of, like, the group, like, I like Cleveland, and I'm glad when he shows up in more. But it's also, like, he is definitely the weakest of those four. Like, you've got to admit that. I only noticed his absence when the gang is together. And I'm like, hey, Quagmire's not yeah. here. It's not as, like, glaring of an absence as Joe or uh, Quagmire. It's one of those things where it's like, it's like you're making a BLT and, like, Peter's the bacon, Quagmire's the tomato, Joe is, like, the lettuce, and then Cleveland is, ironically, like, the mayo, where it's like, yeah. maybe at first bite you don't notice, but eventually you're like, this sandwich is kind of dry, Yeah, you know? Yeah, Cle- Cleveland does make a good yeah. straight. Yeah. Especially as Peter gets more, I think, I think... Cleveland gets better when he re- is a better character when he returns from the Cleveland show than being than uh, he was before he got it. But that's that's a conversation for four episodes from now. I, I want to talk about Stewie because I noticed two things about him this season. The first is that his jokes are like the filthiest they have ever been. Yeah, like yeah, more so than oh usual. God. Like I know I poor Seamus on the season two episode was like. Yeah, I, I'm very uncomfortable with the character of Stewie. I think this season might break him in that case. Is where it ramps up. It is yeah. just yeah. nasty. Like, I feel like there's like a Bukaki joke with him at some point. Um, and even when it's not the sex stuff, like, at least once per episode, at least in the early stuff, like, he gets like one of the really, like, hard racial jokes. Yeah, he is. Oh, he yeah. Is. Yeah, the Jerome holding joke. Yeah. That joke's that joke's or, um, kind There was something about the Mexican in, like, the, in the second episode or something. Yeah. Where he's, like, where, where they get consuaded. No, I yeah, thought you were talking about wild. the episode where, um, the, the with Jerome. Well, no, I'm talking where, about. Where uh, Lo- Lois hands him to, and he's just like, wait, are we getting robbed? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there is a joke of that caliber in, like, at least half of the episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I want to say that 
Stewie's function as a joke delivery device becomes clearer this season to me. Much like uh, Peter as the complete, malevolent, destructive force, Stewie's sort of like, he calls attention to the nature of the show a lot. His purpose within the season is to often like lampshade jokes, lampshade plot devices, lampshade moments. He's he's very much like leaning on the fourth wall the entire time. I think you you see a lot of that in his relationship with Chris. I think I think Stewie Chris is a very underrated dynamic in Family Guy. Yeah. But he he is definitely he's become the character where whenever like a joke needs like a bit of extra punch, like if a joke needs someone to point out the inherent issues with it or even like just a character beat if a character beat doesn't make a lot of sense he's the smartest character on the show and they use him for that yeah he recognizes the nature of the show essentially and i'm pretty fine with that honestly i i like him as this weird cursed version of a greek chorus almost just like yeah Yeah. commenting on things i Um, i I did like more involved and cynical stewie from like earlier seasons than you guys did but i'm still perfectly fine with this take on stewie the the, i was having trouble putting it into words in my notes i i feel like i i wanted to say that he's just in this season he's kind of like weird and awkward but like in a way that doesn't infringe on like chris's territory no you know Mm-hmm. it's like it's like a different flavor of kind of weird and awkward yeah because um, i think he is like a little bit more intelligent behind it i don't know he's the secondary protagonist he's the only other guy, like you know like uh, with a lot of like simpsons there was sort of a back and forth seasons of like is bart the protagonist or is simpsons right and i feel like with stewie you're you're very much feeling that like sure like brian and the other characters go lot. But if anyone else is the protagonist of Family Guy besides Peter, it's probably Stewie. Um, Maybe. I feel that a lot more in later seasons because I, and we'll, this is something we'll talk about a lot in our episodes because at least two, if not all three, are going to involve Brian talk. I really feel like this is Brian's season. Above oh, all yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I also want to talk about an episode that we don't have in the back half because I think this points out, I think, the direction that I've been playing about with Brian characters goes in the first time you really see that. Uh, Brian's got a bant, brand new bag. The relationship with Rita, I'm not saying the episode doesn't necessarily work, but it starts a trend I don't like with Brian. This is the beginning see- of scumbag pervert Brian. Yes, yeah. and see, and it's a shame because I do think that, like, at least in the beginning of the episode, maybe with the exception of Jilly and Rita is, like, the best feeling relationship Brian has, and then they kind of throw it away at the I end. I wrote in yeah. my notes that I wished that Rita was a long-term girlfriend for Brian. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there was more they could have done with it, but then they made, like, the entire back half of the episode Brian talking, or, like, jokes about how old Rita is, and then Brian cheating on her and not really feeling guilty about it. And it's like, you you wasted a good opportunity there. Yeah, it's, you know, normally would say, well, the show has to resolve itself in, like, X, Y, and Z fashion because it's, you know, a sitcom, but... But it doesn't, because we saw with Jillian it doesn't. Yeah, well, also because, like, this show, like, the season does break the format in a couple of key places, and I feel like pretty much every time it does, it's for the best. And I ultimately really liked the sort of dynamic where Brian is, like, legitimately upset with how the family treats Rita, and it feels justified. Yeah, I really wish that she had been, like, more of a long-term thing, and that, uh, Brian... GFs. Yeah, that, uh, Brian had been dating, you know, a MILF GF. And it's, yeah, because it's just every other Brian appearance, it's Brian 
has a failed relationship and that becomes his thing and this is the first episode yeah. you really feel that because like jillian was different because jillian was an ongoing thing this is not this is the brian has an episodic gf that just f- crashes and burns by the end of the episode to be fair he had the redhead atheist girl at the beginning of season yeah, but seven that was, the thing is that was still framed i think in the, sh- the the previous episodes were still i think in the shadow of jillian almost yes this I is the first like totally. pro- proper yeah. like change in the well, status quo i yeah. just want to add this one more thing about about the read episode is that i really don't like how the show uses uh marriage proposals as like a plot device in every single one of these. Perhaps that's just a generational thing, but like yeah, Brian can one. be in a committed relationship without proposing without marriage. Get married. Yeah. I don't know. If, if... Especially because he's been dating Rita for like what? They just, yeah, they've weeks? done that with yeah. Mega Bunch. They've done that with like, yeah, they've done that yeah. with Bunch. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just... And it's also. Go on. It's also kind of funny seeing as like the thing that destroyed his relationship with Jillian was his refusal to commit. Yeah. Like suddenly he's jumping in the marriage proposals. It feels, I mean, and it's almost laughable to say it feels out of character, but like it really does feel like they, they are just accepting that like marriage proposals is the aesthetic way that you move a relationship to the next level, you know, yeah. instead of like actually dealing with Brian's character and what he would actually like realistically do. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Brian is definitely the main character of this oh, season. I mean, sure. He gets like yeah. four or five different episodes. Yeah, um, and he's in like the ones that are in the spotlight episodes. Yeah. 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 Do we have anything else to add about the season? It's, I think we're all in agreement that there's some good shit here. And uh, yeah. I'll be revisiting a lot of episodes from this season, but you do feel the wheels really coming off here. You, I, I, I think is, is this, you know, we, we, I feel like I've been saying this in previous seasons, but like. I really like the, the direction. I, I like some of the direction the show goes in, but this is where it leads to like all of the bad stuff yeah. that we'll see in like a season or two and just keep going through. And it's just like, yep, you can really feel that these showrunners kind of killed Family yeah, Guy. This is, this is the official, like the first real official Family Guy funny moment season. And, and that kind of infects the rest of the show going forward. And, and, like, 9, from what I remember, also still is kind of has some really strong episodes, yeah. but 10 and 11 is when it's really good. I, I think okay, it really hits an 11. Yeah. yeah. Ten, 10 and 11, 10 is going to be a, that is going to be a hell of an That's episode. A, 10, you know how we one. talked about how, like, there are a bunch of episodes this season that we had to do in the second half and could have done? 10, looking over it, there's, like, at least, like, seven or eight that we could do a highlight yeah. on. It's insane. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go deep on some episodes. Wake up! Wake up! Grab a put a little makeup! I discuss the way to wear the shake-up! Why'd you leave the keys up on the table? Why don't make you trust in my self-righteous suicide? And cry when angels deserve to die. And we're back. All right, so we normally structure the second half of the episode where each one of us brings an episode to the table, one that kind of stuck with us and that we have a lot to say about. This time, that didn't happen because there were some episodes where we were all just in agreement, like, we just need to talk about this. We need to talk about this, yeah. I mention that there are some episodes that sort of break the form of the show and the form of the show being this you know this surreal sitcom this sitcom that's pushed to the fringes of 
uh, what you can possibly do in a sitcom. The two episodes that break the form, the first one does so in more of a subtle way, just at the ending, and the second one is more radical. But the first one is Jerome is the New Black. Yes. So let's get the everything but the ending out of the way first. I thought it was a pretty funny episode. Uh, uh, well, let's do a plot description. Yeah, okay. Plot description for Jerome is the New Black. Uh, Cleveland is Cleveland's left the group, and they need a new person to fill the void. They discover another black guy, um, which is what they were looking for Jerome. specifically. Jerome. Jerome is cool, and everyone likes him, but they realize what the issue with their relationship is, is that... Previously, Jerome had dated Lois and is pretty explicit about the sexual nature yeah. of their relationship. Yeah. Uh, and it makes Peter jealous. He eventually burns down Jerome's house by accident, but they eventually reconcile. Weirdly enough, they don't bring up the house burning thing. Does Jerome even know that Peter burned down his house? Yeah, no, they don't bring that up. I, they just kind of yeah, I don't. They just kind of so. reconcile it. He just doesn't know. He just assumes Peter saved his life. Yeah. So this is kind of a weird introduction for Jerome, considering where his character ends up as replacement bartender, which I I actually do like Jerome. Uh, more as a bartender than Horace. Yeah. I, I don't think there's much to Jerome's character. I think that Kevin Michael Richardson, who does his voice, is his voice is unique enough and he is a talented enough voice actor yeah. to make Jerome in small doses like very a very fun it's likeable. For the show. And, and he yeah, brings exactly. more to the table than Horace, who who's kind oh, of Horace is away. nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. So the stuff with uh Jerome, it, it's vaguely racist i like some of the stewie guys yeah but no there it, it's not unfunny i i do like that like joe and quagmire actively call out peter on him being a fucking dumbass who's, who's like close-minded and stuff like i like that they wanted to be friends with jerome and and i think they are pretty cool with jerome the whole time even as peter is kind of like having a jealousy fit but that's not really what we're here to talk about this episode no for. we're here to talk about the quote-unquote b-plot yeah which is... so in the b-plot peter at the beginning when you know brian basically asked like can i be you know the fourth in your group and peter says well no because quagmire like fucking hates your guts yeah and brian is trying to figure out why quagmire hates him you know peter's just like you're annoying so the b-plot is brian trying to endear himself to quagmire and routinely having to put his foot in his mouth in like the the most unlucky way possible until it culminates with one of the most legitimately gripping moments of Family Guy's entire run. And so, I I do think... First I... off, before uh, we, we get into the plot, I want to point out, there's a little bit of foreshadowing for uh, a later episode we will be talking about uh, in this, with uh, Quagmire having an ab uh, a, a, a sister who is abused by yeah, Bren her Brenda Q. Yeah. And her yep. husband, Jeffrey. No last name given now, but we know it to be fecal. I will, I will confess... As bad of a person as it makes me feel, I did legitimately laugh at the joke of uh, the abusive boyfriend shouting, Yeah, that's his brother! Um, yeah, th this was something that I struggled with in my notes because, I on the one hand, I do think it's kind of a fraught topic to, to kind of use abuse as a backdrop to, like, Brian, you know, fl like, falling over yeah, his Yeah, no, absolutely. On the other hand, I, I think that as far as that goes, they deployed it pretty well. Yeah. Look, you know? Looking forward to us giving uh, a much a stronger it's, highlight to Jeffrey. Yeah, um, okay. We, we've danced around this issue long enough. At the end of the episode, yeah. 
Brian asks Quagmire why he hates him. And normally it would, like, you know, the episode would resolve with the two realizing they have some common ground. And that would be the end of the episode. But instead, Quagmire just lays into Brian brutally. And there is no resolution. All I've done is try to be nice to you and you still don't like me. How can you not like me? Okay, I'll tell you. You are the worst person I know. You constantly hit on your best friend's wife. The man pays for your food and rescued you from certain death, and this is how you repay him? And to add insult to injury, you defecate all over his yard. And you're such a sponge. You pay for nothing. You always say, ooh, I'll get you later, but later never comes. And what really bothers me is you pretend you're this deep guy who loves women for their souls when all you do is date bimbos. Yeah, I date women for their bodies, but at least I'm honest about it. I don't buy them a copy of Catcher in the Rye and then lecture them with some seventh-grade interpretation of how Holden Caulfield is some found intellectual he wasn't he was a spoiled brat and that's why you like him so much he's you god you're pretentious and you delude yourself by thinking you're some great writer even though you're terrible you know i should have known cheryl teagues didn't write me that note she would have known there's no a in the word definite and i think what i hate most about you is your textbook liberal agenda how we should legalize pot man how big business is crushing the underclass how homelessness is the biggest tragedy in america well what have you done to help i work down at the soup kitchen brian never seen you down there you want to help grab a ladle and by the way, driving a Prius doesn't make you Jesus Christ. Oh, wait, you don't believe in Jesus Christ, or any religion for that matter, because religion is for idiots. Well, who the hell are you to talk down to anyone? You failed college twice, which isn't nearly as bad as your failure as a father. How's that son of yours you never see? But you know what? I could forgive all of that, all of it, if you weren't such a bore. That's the worst of it, Brian. You're just a big, sad, alcoholic bore. <sighs> I'll see you, Brian. Thanks for the steak. It, it is devastating. I mentioned this in the first half. I think this is the thing that killed Brian is his character. He oh, could not sure. recover from this, from Quagmire owning him to this hard of being. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that from here, like, a lot of Brian's appearances revolve around him, at least to some degree, making, you know, some kind of moral failing or just being, like, not as smart yeah. as he thinks he and is. I, I and yeah. I need to say, the one thing I will be critical of of this ending is that I think it's somewhat undercut by the episodic nature of the show because, like, you know, one of Quagmire's big thing is, like, you hit on Lois even though she's your best friend's wife. And then, you know, he hits on Lois all of the time, including in later right. episodes. Yeah, like, literally, like, two episodes later or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I just want to add, like, that undercuts it. Otherwise, yeah, this is great. I love this. I really love this. Fantastic. I, I usually, I think outside of the joke writing, like... Family Guy, Family Guy trying to do prose is not normally that effective. I think this is like, this hits. Like, th this this goes and it keeps up the temp. It's correct. It keeps up, like, the, I just the don't like the, the entire the, time. Some of the, I just think yeah. it goes too far in a certain status quo direction. Like, how so? I think Brian is ruined as a character. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you meant, like, the speech itself. Yeah, no, no, no I, really I think agree. Quagmire comes off very strong, and I think in yeah. every instance, Quagmire has the moral high ground over Brian in basically but, uh, every interaction, too. I mean, except I think, that he I, is, like, a non-repentant yeah. racist. Maybe not, like, Which should not be overlooked. But, like, usually Quagmire is the more likable, I feel like. Because Brian is kind of obnoxious and arrogant. But it's just, like, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know. Brian, he, Brian is never the same character after this. Yeah. He is not the sort of deeply flawed, emotionally insecure, but still genuinely smart and, like, talented individual before this. He's just a loser from now on. 
Maybe not from immediately, but that's the direction yeah. he goes in. And no, that's where he ended up, sure. And it is because of this moment. Yeah, this season and season nine, I still think Brian has a little bit of dignity, even yeah, though he does. he's kind of... And I like that, but, like, I can't say that, like, this is the moment that killed that, and I'm a little mad about that. No, I will agree. So, uh, we mentioned this other show, this other Adult Swim show, and the other, um, in the bonus episode with Felix. But, um, Angie brought up Moral Oral. And Moral Oral is the show, if you don't know, that started out as this very formulaic sitcom that was sort of satirizing evangelical Christianity. And the second season toyed with it with a little bit. It got a little darker, a little weirder. Right. You know, it sort of broke the, more broke the rubric. Yeah. Season three of Moral Oral dove straight into just horrific, just really, really dark character studies. And... I think that after this and Brian and Stewie, I feel like that was the only way the show could go. I feel like but it, it didn't. didn't, and that in in pieces it did, but no, like it, yeah, it kind yeah, of yeah, you wrote might it, get an episode its own. or two, yeah. a season, but like this is the direction the show should have gone on. It should have become way less episodic, yeah. but it's a show that's chained to network television. Yeah, exactly. So. Like, Never. they literally could not. Yeah. yeah. This episode and Brian and Stewie, which we'll talk about now, should have raised the stakes of the show. It should have become a different show after those episodes. And you see that a little bit in season nine, but then in season 10 and 11, swerve back. Swerve back. It's not sustainable. Hard. It's not sustainable for, like, a, a tentpole network TV show. Yeah. I think American yeah. Dad manages to pull off the mix of the two yeah. better. But that's <sighs> Better, but yeah. All right, Brian and Stewie. Brian and Stewie, there isn't much to summarize in terms of plot because Brian and Stewie just get locked in a bank vault and they talk to each other. It's a bottle episode. And bitch at each other and be friends. Yeah. Also, I just want to chime in before anyone goes further. This is episode has no cutaway gags. Very no, little like one. pop culture yeah. references stuff. It's just the two of them talking mostly. It's got one sequence where um, Brian has to eat Stewie's poop out of his diaper. Which is... Right at the beginning, because and Stewie it's kind of... Yeah, otherwise. it's obviously disgusting, but a lot of... I, like, looked at what the reviewers were saying of this episode, and they really focused in on that, which I thought was unfair, because it's just, you know, like, you know, it's just what it is. It's part of the show, and it's not, like... It's not handled as a joke. It's just, like, a trial and tribulation that they have to deal with. Yeah. But anyways, uh, continue. You two go ahead. This is the only Family Guy episode, I think, in its entire run that has made me cry. Um... And I mean, that's not a joke, you know, we, we love jokes on here, but th there is something where I, I think that this came out in a time where not to, and not to go too deep into his life because he, you know, he hasn't consented. My, my, Brian and this reminds me a lot of my dad when like right after he had uh, gotten out of a long-term relationship and, and things were kind of. Th things were kind of difficult and and you know he was he's still you know a, a very intelligent very 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 you know well-meaning very well-read guy but but there's just something there's something divorced about brian's energy where it's like yeah life has not been life has not been particularly kind to him in the time like right up preceding this episode and, and there's like a kind of inherent ennui to him even as you know like he is, you know, for the most part, a, a very accomplished, you know, very, very kind of deep, very emotionally intelligent guy. And there's just something about him and then, you know, his relationship with like a child or something that, that re especially him reading at the end to Stewie. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of going out of order, but 
they, there was like literally when I watched this episode, I'd cry because yeah. I, it makes me think of my dad and like the trials and tribulations we have gone through. You know. You know. I think like I mentioned when we talked about uh, the Stewie kills Lois and Lois kills Stewie episodes, I called that sort of the payoff for Stewie as a character. Right. That was premature. This is the payoff for the character art engagement that was set up first, like, a decade ago on the show in Road to Road. I mean, I would also, I I would make the argument that I think Stewie has had multiple payoffs because Stewie as a character has changed a lot. Yeah, sure, but this is, I think, the biggest emotional thing of, this is the cementing of Brian and Stewie are the most solid moral, one of the best moral character duos in, like, the history of animation. Like, they, these two really do have great chemistry, and there's a reason they're so, the most popular dynamic. Seth, Seth loves talking to himself. Yeah, I... The other episode, Seth also voices Quagmire as well as Brian Griffin. I, I want to say that, you know, normally we blame the showrunners or Seth on the show's direction if we don't like it, but I actually feel like I want to blame the critics here, because <laughs> if this episode got the reception it deserves, if this episode was, like, critically acclaimed... Maybe. And I'm not saying... This could have gotten Family Guy a Temmie. Yeah. I, I, look, yeah. I'm not saying that the show really gives that much of a shit about critical reception. Like, the four people that review Family Guy for a living don't have any sway over it. But if this show got the same level of, like, it was the big cultural phenomenon that Brian dying was, I feel like right. the show would be different and mostly for the better. Yeah. I'm going to say this. I was going to save it for the ending, but I'm just going to say it now. If this show had keep kept on in the direction of Brian's doing, like, the emotional moments as well as the strong, good, like, joke writing that we've seen for, like, the past two, three, four seasons. Right. Like, and hadn't gone in the direction that it did, this this show, like, kept going in this direction, could have been Golden Age Simpsons. It could have. Like, it is approaching that. It is so close. But then it turns. Yeah. It doesn't keep going in this direction. And that killed yeah. the show. It could have been like Moral Oral Season 3, basically, where it takes this stupid show and just swerves it into something quietly devastating. And I just want to say that I did not ever think that I would say that when I started this podcast. Yeah. yeah. The show won me over. And I think it comes close to Golden Age Simpsons. It does not ever hit it. Brian and Stewie and the emotional connection in this and like a lot of the good like comedy in this season... If they, like, outside of some of the bad episodes, if they had consist this, they could have really had something really great for, like, the next, like, three, yeah. four seasons. Yeah. And, and I think if this season and, like, All Family Guy happened, like, four years later, I think it would have got, or was on, like, Netflix or something or something, then it could have gotten in that direction. But because of when it aired, the network it aired on, and everything... That meant it couldn't keep going in that direction. And that sucks. I also think something that we have not explicitly mentioned, but I think is important to the understanding of this episode. Uh, content warning for people who are listening here uh, for for suicide. But but the kind of denouement of the episode, or not denouement, what's the, is that Brian has, they're in a vault where Brian like keeps some of his stuff and it turns out he has a gun which had been kind of used for, you know, various conflicts between him and Stewie earlier in the episode and a bottle of scotch um, that they got drunk off of and, you know, kind of had some hijinks. And it, it, it is revealed that he keeps those in a lockbox in case he ever wants to commit suicide. And, and that's kind of the big emotional center of the episode. And Stewie's pep talk is 
really strong. Oh my god, really I'll, I'll link some one. of it in right now. So, um, why the gun? It just seemed the quickest way, I guess. I, I suppose. But I, I don't quite understand why you're so unhappy. Yesterday, when you said, I don't live with purpose, you were right. I don't. What purpose does my life have? I don't like when you talk like this. Oh, it's true, Stewie. Dogs are supposed to be able to instinctively live with purpose, not even to have to think about it, just born like that. But I wasn't. You know, I've tried to find meaning in my life, and I just, I just can't. And that bottle of scotch? I was saving it for my last drink. Whoa, heavy. And, you know, I'm not talking about purpose in the shallow Rick Warren over-the-counter self-help variety because that's just delusion. That's not real. I mean, is there ever a time when we're truly in the present moment and not looking toward the past or the future? I mean, right there, in the moment. I get that way when I watch Handy Manny. Oh, you're the only person I've ever told this to. Aren't you going to say anything? I don't know what to say. Wanting to kill yourself. Well, I think that's pretty selfish of you. How is that selfish? What would I do if you weren't here? Hmm? You're the only one who makes my life bearable. I thought you said I was the best of a bad situation. I was just trying to hurt you because you hurt me. But the truth is, you're my only friend, Brian. If I didn't have you, I'd be lost. You'd be okay. No, I wouldn't. I don't really care for anybody else, just you. You're the only one I like. Well, thanks. I like you a lot. I guess you could say I really like you. I would even dare to go a little further, perhaps. I care a great deal about you. A very great deal. Maybe even deeper than that. I... I I love you. I mean, you know, not in like a, hey, let's, you know, let's have an underpants party or or whatever grown-ups do when they're in love. But I mean, I mean, I love you as one loves another person whom one simply cannot do without. It it is, there's something about the way he says, um, I love you in the way that someone loves someone with whom they cannot do without that has stuck with me for maybe nine years. Yeah. Um... Yeah. This is a really, and it feels so silly to be saying this about Family Guy. This is a really, this episode sticks with you. Yeah, this is, this yeah. is, I think. Um, it's haunting. And I, I want to give credit to the writer, Gary Janetti, who did a really good job with this episode. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I really think that this episode highlights how the show, basically, I won't, I won't say everything the show's good at, because there's no great cutaway gags, there's no, like, zany antics, but... But it highlights everything that makes the best part of the show, Brian and Sue's dynamic work as strong yeah. as it does. And it highlights what a talent what a talent Seth MacFarlane is. It highlights that the show can genuinely work as like honest to goodness television when it wants to. So yeah, no, I, I really think I remember going in that I used to not like this episode, but when I watched it I was like, Holy shit, this is one of the best episodes of the series. So I, I think I, I mentioned I, I bitched and moaned a lot during Stewie Killed Lois that I was like, oh man, I wish that like Brian got to do because yeah. I wanted this because, episode. Yeah, in that. Exactly. I wanted like this dramatic climax in that payoff, and I did not and get I mean, that. This is the payoff I have been. Yeah, waiting and, for. and to be fair, like I don't think you could have really had this in 
you know, the Stewie Kills Lois episodes as it stands, just because you needed to spend time on that relationship between Lois and Stewie because that's what they were putting to bed. But no, I, I agree. Had had Brian, like, had they done an episode of that quality with Brian, it would be this episode, which we all agree is maybe the best episode of the series. I also want to say that, um, and yeah. uh, going back to the, uh, well, poo eating, is that one thing that made Moral right. Oral Season 3 really strong is how it sort of built off. It didn't just drop into the sadness. It built off this kind of silly show. And Family Guy has done all of this, you know, scatological humor and sort of building off of that into just like this kind of bonding moment almost between the two characters, I think gives it some, and I hate to say this because it is a scene where a dog eats a baby's poop, but power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially because they, and, and that's, I mean, again, kind of with more oral, at the, like, by the end of the episode when they have like the really kind of you know, the, the scene where they're trying to hurt each other, I mean, it recontextualizes that kind of g- gross poo humor into, like, something that is really devastating to Brian as a character. You know, like, it, it, it's, it turns that kind of, oh, you know, Brian ate poo, you uh, gross, to, like, Stewie is using this to, to hit on that pressure point that is really crucial to Brian's character that, like, he, when it comes down to it, is not as smart as he likes to believe he is. And and one of the episode's strongest parts is, like, the almost kind of fake-out, where, like, you think it's kind of a gross start, and then they completely change the context in which you are to read that that event, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so, we talked about two of the strongest episodes of the season, at least to me. And yeah. I then kind want to go... Anti-climax. What kind of an anticlimax going down? I think like talking about my episode, which is uh, the eleventh episode of the season, or sorry, uh, no, eleventh. Yeah, it is eleventh. To going from like talking about like actual serious discussion about Family Guy to talking about a normal dumb Family Guy episode, man, this is gonna be a contrast. I really kind of like feel like, oh man, I wish I hadn't gone first now Uh, (laughs) or gone last now. Yeah. Um, So we have highlighted what this show can do at its best. Let's go to what the show can do at not quite its worst, but kind of getting No, this there. is far from its worst. At its most mediocre, yeah. I'd say. Dial Meg for Murder. Dial Meg for Murder is an episode where Meg goes to prison and um, basically gets hard after prison. Because, well, well, we need to explain why Meg goes to prison. Uh, because uh, Brian is writing a report, on an article on teenage girls. So he studies Meg. He finds that Meg is, after doing a, a pen pal for a school project with a prisoner, is dating a prisoner. Because Meg helped the convict uh, that she fell in love with escape uh, after he got out, uh, Meg goes to jail. So Brian's a fucking cop this episode. Or he's a snitch he's and a cop this Even episode. more than the episode like where he that. was a cop. Yeah, also, yeah. that's true. I also want to say, before we get in, this this is part of the, uh, you know, we talk about the Rodeo Peter stuff in the earlier part. Yeah. And it should have been this entire episode. If it was, it shouldn't have had uh, Peter getting the raped bull graphically by a bull. raped by a bull and constantly being dragged into an abusive affair slash relationship yeah. with it. Yeah, I was gonna ask. Do you think that went too far? Because I think it did. Oh, but it, it, I do. I like it. I like Peter having a relationship with the bull. I don't like Peter I, getting raped by the bull. No. Yeah, even... yeah. The, the second call where it's like the the scene where he has to fake where you're talking to Angela. That I think works better than the initial like rodeo. I I think I am kind of touchier than you two when it comes to like jokes about abuse i think it you really need to hit it to make like 
abuse jokes funnier than they are uncomfortable. I I don't think they do it here. I think they barely yeah. do it with like the Brenda Q stuff that we talked about earlier. Like yeah, I want to say uh, about this is that in The Simpsons, one of the defining moments people cite as this is where The Simpsons went to shit is an episode where Homer gets raped by a panda. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah, and um, that's like any compilation of this is where The Simpsons went bad. It'll have like Armin Tamzarian episode. Uh, there's some I've got to be forgetting, but oh, I I can name uh the 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 Jockey Elves yeah the episode. Jockey Elves episode uh Codependence Day yeah the um, the one where Maud Flanders dies and always there, Homer getting raped by a panda. It happens on Family Guy, just another day on Family Guy. So <laughs> yeah, no, uh, not even a memorable yeah, moment. Uh, completely forgot that it happened. Anyways, but let's talk about uh, Meg becoming a hardened criminal. It's better than the um, hurricane episode, I'll say. Looking forward to covering that. I think I am more sympathetic to this episode than you guys are, if only because I, I think this was a strong season for Meg in terms of just, like, exploring her character, even if they don't hit the mark. I think the problem is that this episode's a little too plot-heavy for its own good. There's too many things happening in it. Uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't think they pulled this off particularly well. I mean, I, I liked kind of the implication that it wasn't really the prison that hardened Meg. It was kind of like that was an excuse for her to to, to uh, externalize the abuse that, like, the show is pretty readily, you know, heaping onto her. I don't think they explain... I don't think, like... I think shoving they, that... But they say the that end, in a throwaway line by Brian. Um, yeah. No, I mean, she, she makes it explicit at the end. I think it would have been better if they, like, had seeded it in more. But I, I think it's an interesting take, at least. I also think it's it's worth noting, Meg gets arrested by Joe at like the halfway point or end of the second act. Um, see her enter prison, meet her for cellmates. The next scene is her getting out and showing up back at the house. And I think that works for surprise, but it shows that this episode is too packed that they did not have any time to show Meg interacting and changing in prison itself. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a fair. Yeah, I also think that Meg deserves to become a more well-rounded character and i yeah. think this is a nice this could be seen as a half step this is well I, i'd say this is a step too far because what this does is radically 180s her just so it can bring her back yeah where i think you know with brian and stewie there's this like kind of gradual movement for the characters which is better rather than and, and it's also that this doesn't hold yeah and it would yeah so i think that yeah meg becoming tougher long term is Meg becoming tougher long term is much better than this. And I think the big problem of this episode is that much like Brian and Stewie and uh, Jerome is the new black kind of broke the format. This episode right. is too wedded. Digs to, hard in. Yeah. It's too wedded to that format to really go further. I, I will say this episode, I do think has a few decent jokes. Um, I like the blaming Stewie joke where it's, it's Meg comes into the room and she's like, you know, who said I was a monster? And then, like, Brian and them was like, no, no, Lois was saying something. And Lois is like, no, Peter was saying something. And it was like, oh, no, it was Stewie. And then everyone else in the room was like, yeah, it was Stewie. And then Stewie just goes, oh, oh so no. now everyone can understand me. I like when they play I, I like the TV like Guide, fourth wall break. I like, um... That's very good. Yeah, I like that they call back to it again. I like Meg filling up the can with sodas as all the bullies come up with really <laughs> terrible insults. Yeah. She just clobbers them. Yeah. Side note, side note, uh, we could add a list of times Griffin's either 
A, beat the shit out of Connie D'Amico, or, or C, or B, sexually assaulted Connie Yeah, by, by this point, Connie D'Amico is literally just some someone for the Griffins to push against. Yeah. yeah, and she will continue that route for the next, like, ten seasons. Um, no, I, obviously, it's not something we want to encourage. I do think it's kind of cathartic watching Meg, like, kick the shit out of Peter. Yeah. And the joke of, like, Peter, you know, she's like, who's the biggest guy in here? And Peter's like... That's me. And then she's like, who's the funniest guy in here? And it's just like, he can't stop bragging. I think that's a funny Chris joke. calls and, it out. Like, have, yeah. show some humility. Like, have some humility. Yeah. First question. Who's the biggest, toughest guy in this house? Well, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I believe I hold the distinction of... <laughs> my house now, bitch. Now, who's the funniest? I know my way around a joke. For God's sake, Dad, have some humility. It'll save your life. I think Chris gets a strong, strong role this season. I don't think there's really any, like, like, by this point, all of the stuff we hated about early Chris is basically yeah. gone. Yeah, Chris is kind of solidified into who Chris becomes. Yes, and yeah. I'm very happy with I'm this. Happy with Shame that we too. don't get a lot of Carl this season, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, H.J. on Benjamin becoming a hot commodity. Yeah, this was probably when, like, what, Archer was starting, maybe? I don't know. Archer started in 2009. Yep, the uh, air date's 2010, yep. Yeah, so he was probably, this was probably when he was getting into Archer. Yeah, what else is there to say about this episode? I mean, I really don't think there's, too, this This was kind of, I think, an anticlimax to end on. Yeah, but... yeah. We, we should have done this first. Yeah, oh well. Folks, this, this is why uh, we yeah. keep our low quality stuff on the main feed. <laughs> and we, we yeah. let our, the kings and queens and monarchs who donate to us on Patreon get the highest quality slop. I, I, I just want to throw it in because I actually had a way of uh, tying the nice little bow on this episode, which is, um, you know, we, we mentioned before that this, this show goes in a, a disappointing direction after this, much like how our podcast episode started this segment off yeah. really, really strong really with strong. some in-depth discussion yeah. and passion towards the show. And then we just kind of go like, eh, I guess it's okay. <laughs> the Meg Goes to Prison episode is just kind of fine. Yeah. At least we didn't spend the entire time just pontificating about dynamics that involve men being harassed and raped in the Peter harassment episode. Or, or oh we God. didn't uh, didn't dedicate an entire segment to being entirely transphobic. Hey, now, we have an entire episode where we can be transphobic. I mean, discuss transphobia. Um, Looking forward to that bonus yeah. episode next um, time. Yeah, yeah oh boy. Oof. Does anyone have any have any final thoughts on, on season eight as a whole? I, I think it is it is a very sloppy season with a lot of gems. In yeah, it. I, I would that say is kind of my take probably away. better than yeah. season five, but weaker than every other season by the the showrunners, yeah. the the past showrunners. Yeah, it's um, a this is you know Icarus flying too close to the sun. You know they right. they they almost had something genuinely amazing. They they really could have picked up where the Simpsons left off but nope uh season eight hopefully I, i'm wondering if season i have a feeling season nine because there are some genuinely great episodes in season nine i have a feeling that's going to be like there's a very good odds that's going to be the last season we fully enjoy and consider one of the, the genuinely good ones looking at like 10 and 11's episode list it's just like god kill me uh anyway yeah, that's gonna do it um folks uh if you haven't already donate to our patreon this week um, yeah. the Felix episode is going to come out with, uh, Felix Biederman of Chapa Trap House. This is sus. 
and uh, my girlfriend Angie of Rose with Angie's Teeth. Girlfriend. Um, they're both going to be exchanging anecdotes about growing up being Jewish and talk about two Jewish-themed Family Guy episodes. I hate to, you know, throw our previous guests under the bus, but it is probably our best episode yet. I think it's pretty good. Uh, if you want to hear that, costs five dollars a month on Patreon. Pretty cheap, you know. It's the price of like a sandwich a month. And it lets us buy multiple sandwiches a month. It helps us get better equipment for the show. We might be able to have usable mics for once. As opposed to the $15 mic I uh, bought Andy at the last minute. It'll help us out a lot. It helps me recoup the costs for uh, SoundCloud subscriptions and writer duet subscriptions for me and Ty, which the two of us in the near future are going to be working on Family Guy spec scripts for our patrons to read. Yeah, that is the $10 tier. We talked a lot this season about where we think Family Guy should have gone. And us, as well as um, Andy and other people who will, you know, cycle in and out of uh, the episode's writing, that we will find a way to take the show with some spec scripts uh, where we would like to have seen it gone or where we would take it, where we in charge. Yeah. So, or we could just make stupid jokes. Which yeah, also and also just fun. unload all of the jokes that we get. Um, I, I can finally put all the jokes that I don't get to say in the show because you guys are talking over me, and I can put them on yeah. paper. Um, anyway, so that's going to do it. Thank you all so much for listening. We are, I, I, I want to say this right now, um, I am genuinely, like... We are eternally great. I am so, I had no yeah. clue, like... I am so overjoyed that the it podcast is, is, like, doing as well as it does. And, hey, even if you're not, like, a patron, thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you for supporting yeah. us. Thank we you. Have, like, 200 views, at least 200 to 300 views an episode. It's, oh, yeah. more than Especially that. We, to, like, we get, like, 600 season... now. It's yeah. nuts. And we're on yeah. season, no. or we're on episode six. Like, it is truly beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I hope you all continue to join with us when we move on to American Dad whatever the next season of Family Guy is like, Cleveland show, and then we go into other animated sitcoms, South Park, and uh, our patrons are going to be deciding how they want to torture us exactly. But thank you all so much. This has been wonderful, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Yeah, later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. A quick note before we end. We're going to get better about doing this in the future, but we want to give a shout-out to our first-ever ten dollar patron chris denmark uh thank you so much chris if you donate ten dollars to the patreon will you get your name read on the podcast as well right now it's just chris so if any of you want to catch him you know what to do but anyway thank you so much chris thank you so much for anyone who's donated everyone who's listened uh we really cannot thank you guys enough and yeah bye <laughs>